The opinions expressed in the following episode do not necessarily reflect those of the Minds of Madness podcast. Listener discretion is advised. In the early morning hours of May 7, 2017, in the small town of Carlisle, Ohio, a high school cheerleader quietly gave birth to a full-term infant while the rest of her family lay fast asleep. Little did she realize all her fears of becoming a teenage mom would soon be overshadowed by the consequences of her choices in the hours that followed the birth of her child. Join me now as we delve into the mind of a confused teenage girl, influenced by the need for love and acceptance, pushing her to make a decision that would change her life forever. If a picture-perfect American family could be defined, many would agree that the Richardsons fit the bill to a T. The classic nuclear family, a nurturing mom, a warm supportive father, and two beautiful kids blessed with talent and ambition. The Richardsons truly seem to portray the quintessential American dream. This is how Kim Richardson saw and often described her family to be. Married to a loving husband for over 20 years, Kim was blessed with her 18-year-old daughter, Brooke, better known as Skylar, and 16-year-old son, Jackson. A deeply devout woman, Kim and her family attended church on Sundays and supported both their children in their goals and dreams through life. Jackson was a talented and fast-rising football player for the Carlisle High School Indians. Skylar was an active cheerleader and honor student set to attend the University of Cincinnati the following year. To anyone that might see her on the street, she looked precisely how you might picture her. Happy, without a care in the world, and a future as bright as her beautiful golden hair. Kim, however, was a very dedicated mother and knew her children inside out. She knew the truth about Skylar's darkest secret she kept hidden from most people. Skylar suffered daily from an eating disorder called bulimia. Eating disorders are unfortunately quite common among young people battling against social pressures, and Skylar felt particularly hard. At first, her parents recalled her hiding food and binging, then purging late at night. Kim watched her beautiful, stricken daughter suffer daily from ill-perceived reflections of herself in the mirror and a desire to be perfect and thin, despite teetering between 90 and 100 pounds at any given time. 
Kim and Scott were loving parents with the simple goal of just wanting to see their children succeed and find happiness, and they helped Skylar fight for her quality of life and her future. At first, reality for Skylar definitely seemed to be improving. Described as friendly and outgoing by her peers, Skylar was considered extremely social and welcoming to fellow students at her high school. She could often be seen sitting with perceived loners during lunchtime and engaging them in conversation. She was a caring soul and embodied compassion. In the summer of 2016, Skylar had briefly dated a boy named Trey Johnson, but following an unplanned intimate encounter between the couple, Skylar abruptly ended the relationship. Without any further discussion, Skylar just stopped talking to Trey and completely blocked him on all forms of social media, and he had no idea why. Skylar's decision seemed impulsive, and to many, shunning Trey may have come across as childish or indifferent. What Skylar didn't realize at the time, and wouldn't know for many more months to come, was that she was pregnant, and Trey was the father. However, there were other grim factors at play in her seemingly flawless life. While Skylar's family appeared to be perfect on the outside, behind closed doors, there were some cracks in the facade. In the coming months, as their lives slowly began to unravel, text messages would later reveal that Skylar's mother had unknowingly been putting pressure on her only daughter to look fit and healthy. The messages between mother and daughter suggested that Skylar's outward appearance had a direct impact on her mother's happiness. As a result, Skylar strived at a very young age to work hard to please her mother, eventually contributing to Skylar falling victim to the stress of maintaining perfection. According to a report by Skylar's psychologist, she internalized this message and began believing if she wasn't perfect, her mother wouldn't love her anymore. At just 12 years old, Skylar was diagnosed with body dysmorphia. The psychologist believed this contributed to her battle with an eating disorder, which began in middle school. Her entire life revolved around the consumption and awareness of food and calories. Kim remarked how she wouldn't even buy gum because it had calories. This hyper-awareness of what she ate would become a battle that would last the rest of her life. In January 2017, just a few months into her senior year, Skylar started dating another young man named Brandon Saylor. Kim very much approved of Brandon, believing he came from the right kind of family. But when Skylar put on a few pounds, her mother reinforced her daughter's insecurities by telling her she needed to drop the extra weight because Brandon deserved the best-looking girlfriend. As Skylar began equating her weight to her mother's level of approval and love, she began updating her daily with texts, telling her mom how many calories she had burned at the gym. Kim Richardson believed she was being a good mom by supporting her daughter's health. She had no idea she was unwittingly making comments that only strengthened Skylar's low perception of herself. She told Skylar that soon she'd look like the girl Brandon deserved. 
At only 5 foot 2, Skylar was able to maintain her body weight by eating practically nothing, which continued throughout her pregnancy. A decision that would have dire consequences for the unknown fetus growing inside her. In February, Skylar's mom bought her a form-fitting mermaid-style gown with a corset back for her upcoming prom, a dress that highlighted Skylar's petite frame and contoured body. No one could have guessed at the time she was, in fact, seven months pregnant. In April, Skylar asked her mother to make her an appointment so she could start taking birth control. Her mom agreed, taking her to an OBGYN at Hilltop Obstetrics, located in Franklin, Ohio. The appointment was set for April 26th, but the day before the appointment, Skylar began to have second thoughts. In the recent weeks, she'd begun to take notice of a strange bump developing on her belly. She recalled her secret encounter with Trey several months before and couldn't get it out of her mind. In her deepest thoughts, she feared she might be pregnant. But despite suspecting this to be the case, she was equally terrified of telling anyone. She told her mom she was panicking because she thought she looked so terrible in her prom dress. Instead of offering reassurance, Kim encouraged her daughter to just keep exercising and that she could drop the weight quickly. She told her it was time to get serious about her appearance and that even her father had noticed she'd gained some weight. Her mother was also clear she had to attend the appointment and explained how the alternative of becoming pregnant would be much worse. Her life would be ruined and she wouldn't be able to attend college. Without even knowing what she'd done, Kim had successfully cemented her daughter's silence on her internal terror. When Skylar arrived for her appointment, she declined a pelvic exam because she said she was too nervous. Dr. Andrews discussed some options, and together, they decided on birth control pills. A few minutes into the rest of her exam, a medical assistant entered the room with the results of Skylar's urine test. The routine pregnancy test had come back positive. The shocking result was both a surprise to Skylar and her doctor, because she didn't appear to be pregnant in the slightest. In complete disbelief, Skylar broke down into tears. She told her doctor she couldn't have the baby, didn't want to have the baby, and that her parents could never know. Dr. Andrews assured her she was indeed going to be having a baby and that families often come around and support a surprise pregnancy. He hoped to ease her fears in his support. Unaware of the issues Skylar was already dealing with, he then took a fundal height measurement, which is the distance from the pubic bone to the top of the uterus measured in centimeters. After 24 weeks of pregnancy, fundal height often matches the number of pregnancy weeks. Skylar's measurements indicated she was 32 weeks pregnant. Next, the doctor performed an ultrasound. First, to make sure the baby was healthy, considering Skylar hadn't received any prenatal care. And second, so the teen mom could hear her baby's heartbeat, perhaps helping her to bond with her unborn child. After the ultrasound, the doctor measured the baby's femur, and the length also seemed to confirm 
Skylar was in fact 32 weeks pregnant, with a gestational age of 30 weeks. Before Skylar left, the doctor informed her she could expect to have the baby in 10 weeks and that she needed to come back in a week's time for an in-depth ultrasound and she could begin regular prenatal care. Although Skylar promised she would return, she never did. Over the next 7 to 10 days, the doctor's office tried several times getting in touch with Skylar with no luck. Also, she had just turned 18 and was considered an adult. Legally, the doctor couldn't inform the parents of the pregnancy. After failing to get in touch with Skylar by phone, the office attempted contacting her through email. However, the email was mistakenly sent to Kim Richardson instead. After receiving the email, Kim texted her daughter at school, asking her about the troubling results. Skylar insisted it was a mistake. Although relieved, Kim noted again the negative impact a pregnancy would have on her life. A few days earlier, the pharmacy had called and told Kim Skylar's birth control pills were ready to be picked up. The prescription had actually been cancelled upon the discovery of her pregnancy, but due to a clerical error, the prescription was still filled, which Skylar immediately began taking. Skylar later insisted she had planned on telling her mother she was pregnant, but only after she got through her senior prom. She believed she still had 10 weeks before the birth of her baby. But what Skylar didn't know then was that she was actually full term at her doctor's appointment. Her fetus had only measured 32 weeks, but gestationally, she was 39 to 40 weeks pregnant. Her struggles with bulimia and irregular food intake, as well as her frantic physical activity, had kept her abdomen much smaller than it should have been. On the night of Skylar's prom, no one, including her boyfriend, friends, and family could tell Skylar was pregnant. During prom, Skylar began experiencing painful cramps and was actually in the beginning stages of labor. The following day, her cramps continued. She had no idea she'd been in labor for almost 24 hours without any fetal monitoring. Later that night, after nearly 36 hours of being in labor, Skylar, in pain and uncertainty, made her way into the bathroom. It was then she felt an instinctive urge to push. In the dead of night, with no one the wiser, Skylar gave birth to a baby girl as her family lay fast asleep. She named her baby Annabelle and placed her in a towel and held her, waiting for her to start breathing, but she never did. Having never given birth before, Skylar didn't realize the placenta was supposed to be delivered shortly after the baby, and she was still in pain. By that point, well over an hour had passed, and Skylar knew her baby wasn't alive. Bleeding heavily, Skylar quietly walked down the stairs of her family home to the edge of the backyard. There, she chose a spot between two trees she could see from her bedroom window. 
After digging a shallow grave, Skylar placed baby Annabelle down, covering her with dirt and leftover rose petals from her prom flowers. She then placed a large flower pot over the grave as a marker and then went inside to clean up the blood from her delivery. It would later be Skylar's actions following the birth of her baby that would later become the cause for an investigation into Annabelle's death. Of most concern was that Skylar never confided in anyone that she'd been pregnant. In fact, a few hours after giving birth to Annabelle, Skylar sent her mother a picture of herself at the gym. It showed Skylar revealing a flat tummy. In the text, she said she'd just burned 200 calories on the treadmill. Skylar also took a picture of the scale, which showed she weighed 128 pounds, down an astonishing 21 pounds overnight. She texted, I'm literally speechless with how happy I am. My belly is back. I am never, ever, ever, ever letting it get like this again. You're about to see me looking freaking better than before. Her mother texted back telling Skylar how proud she was of her and that she was going to look amazing at school the next day. Skylar responded by promising her mother she'd get serious about weight loss again and vowed to look better over the summer. Kim Richardson replied that her entire day had been made. Later, Skylar also texted her boyfriend Brandon to let him know she was happy the worst night of her life was over. Two days later, she told her mom she'd burned another 300 calories after doing a leg and ab workout. Kim encouraged her daughter to keep working hard at her weight loss and how proud she was of her. Skylar promised her mom she'd continue to be vigilant and do her best to keep her happy. But all of the elation and happiness was about to end. On July 12th, nine weeks after giving birth, Skylar told her mom she'd gone to her follow-up appointment for birth control. She said it went well, and her new prescription would be ready to be picked up in two hours. But that wasn't exactly the truth. The appointment hadn't been as uneventful as Skylar had described. According to Skylar's medical records, she should have been full term and ready to give birth to a baby any day now. Instead, she arrived at her appointment, obviously no longer pregnant. When the doctor asked about the baby, everything the teen had been holding in escaped in a powerful rush of emotions. Skylar burst into tears, saying her baby hadn't been born alive and that she buried her in the backyard. On July 14, 2017, Lieutenant John Fane approached Skylar's dad, Scott Richardson, in the front yard. He informed Scott his daughter was a possible witness to a crime and that he needed to speak with her down at the station. Scott complied and drove Skylar to meet with him. On the way there, Skylar told her dad she had no clue what crime he was referring to. At that point, she still hoped her parents wouldn't find out about her pregnancy and what had happened to the baby. Once they arrived at the station, Scott was told to wait outside while detectives spoke with Skylar. Being 18 
Menti couldn't come in with her while they questioned her. Scott expressed that while she was 18, Skylar was still, quote, a stupid kid, and then asked if she was in trouble. Lieutenant Fane assured him she was only a witness to a possible crime, and they just needed to get her statement. But that wasn't true. Skylar was, in fact, their primary suspect in a potential homicide. After her rights were read, Skylar was interviewed by Lieutenant Fane and Officer Katie G. When answering questions, Skylar began speaking in the voice of a small child. Police insisted they weren't trying to trick her and were only looking for the truth. Skylar explained her baby hadn't been born alive and that she'd buried her once she realized she wasn't breathing. At first, Skylar referred to her baby as an it, but then later told the officers her baby was a girl and began calling the baby her. The officers were kind to Skylar and insisted they weren't there to punish her. Skylar then told the officers she didn't remember her water breaking and that the baby had come out unexpectedly while she was sitting on the toilet. She said she remembered trying to catch her by the head and noticed right away the baby wasn't breathing or moving. Detectives asked Skylar if she remembered cutting the baby's umbilical cord after she came out. Skylar replied by stating she hadn't and didn't even know it was supposed to be attached. She then began crying and asked if her failure to cut the cord was the reason the baby had died. She was also worried she was going to get in trouble for burying the baby in the backyard. Are you okay right now? Yeah, I just want to know what happened to me. Um, I never meant to hurt her. I understand that. Skylar, again, like I've told you, we, we don't think you meant to hurt her. We, we don't think you hurt her. Am I going to be in trouble? I don't know that, that you're in any trouble. We're just trying to, we're trying to help you get through this and try to find out exactly, you know, exactly what happened. Skylar feared that by neglecting to go for further doctor visits and giving birth alone had caused her to act irrationally in burying her daughter and led to the baby's death. But investigators led her to believe she wasn't at fault for her impulsive actions. And so now you've got her wrapped up in the towel you've been holding her and so you decide, you decide you have to bury her. Why do you decide you have to bury her? I couldn't tell anybody. Because you hadn't told anybody and you still yeah, didn't want to tell anybody. It's just, it's not for us to say, Scott, it's not for us to say it's really bad because we're not, we're not trying to judge you or do anything like that, okay? Are you going to put me in jail because yeah. of that? No, I'm, I'm not. That's not why I'm here today to try to put you in jail. We're still, all we're trying to do is find out. We're still just trying to find out what happened, okay? And um, so you decided you needed to bear because obviously it's the proper thing to do. I mean, every every person, even a baby at 34 weeks, roughly everyone deserves a burial, right? She deserves better. Yeah, I mean, she, she deserves, well, a lot of times people are in a situation where they may deserve better. You know, you probably deserve, you deserve better than to be all by yourself on this, but, you know, we don't always get a, have a say-so and what, 
what life hands us. So, so if you decide you got a bear because it's the right thing to do and it's the best thing, if you're not going to tell anybody, it's probably the best way to do right by her, right? I mean, then you want to do right by her. Yeah. Um, which that is very noble. I mean, I I get that, and it's, it says a lot about you because even going through that and how awful it is, you want to do the right thing, even though I'm sure your heart was probably torn out, absolutely torn out, but yet you still want to do the right thing. Throughout the interrogation, Skylar continued to apologize for burying her baby. As detectives tried to get more details about the crime, Skylar repeatedly asked if the officers were mad at her. They responded by assuring her they weren't there to judge her, just to find out the truth about what had happened and whether she had tried to self-abort. Did you get birth control pills when you went then to the doctor? Yeah. Did you take any of those? Yeah, I, I didn't think it was going to hurt. Okay. How many of those did you take? Just a little of them, just like the days I was supposed to. All at once? No, 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 no. The, one the day per day? I, yeah. Starting on April 26th? The day they were prescribed. Okay. I, that, I didn't think that was going to hurt them. Okay, all right. I'm just asking questions. Do you remember what kind of pills they were? Just birth control pills? You don't remember what kind. Is this the first time you went on birth control? Yeah. Okay. I never meant to kill my baby. I didn't do it on purpose. I didn't. I understand. I understand. Skylar insisted she didn't kill her baby and didn't want to go to jail. Officer G tried comforting her, assuring her she wouldn't. She hugged Skylar, establishing a bond with a frightened teenager. Just relax, okay? Just I, can relax. I, I don't want to go to jail. I know you don't. Just relax. I don't okay? have to go to jail, though, right? Listen, I understand that you're, that you're sorry, and I understand that you're upset, and I understand that you didn't want this to happen, okay? Just take some deep breaths, okay? Eventually, Skylar was allowed to see her parents. Lieutenant Fane explained to Skylar how important it was she tell her parents the truth. He didn't tell her that their conversations would be recorded. What did they tell you? I just, I think they want to know if I killed it myself. Yeah, you go to jail. I didn't though. Kim had made it known how an unplanned pregnancy would affect Skylar's life. However, while speaking to Skylar, she told her she should have come out with it and it wouldn't have been a big deal. She said kids get pregnant every day. Devastated, Skylar kept asking her parents if they still loved her. Her mom didn't answer. Instead, she told Skylar she was going to lose her boyfriend. Through tears, Skylar repeated over and over again, she didn't kill her baby. As her father tried to process everything he'd just learned, he began looking for explanations for the baby's death. That's when Kim told Skylar she was headed for prison. Skylar confessed to her parents she had told the doctor the baby hadn't been born alive and that she buried her in the backyard. She repeatedly insisted she had told the truth and didn't have anything to hide. Kim told her daughter that by taking the birth control pills, she had killed the baby 
and that she be going to jail for manslaughter. Skylar then insisted. The doctor never told her she wasn't supposed to take the pills. Scott Richardson seemed skeptical that a doctor would prescribe pills after confirming a pregnancy. No one knew about the clerical error approving the prescription. She kept telling her parents she had told the truth and continuously apologized to them, worried they wouldn't love her anymore. Will you always love me? Yes, I will always love you. Would certainly be helpful if you were honest with us. Scott and Kim just couldn't believe their daughter could have quietly given birth to a baby in the middle of the night without any of them knowing. Skylar said the only reason she didn't tell them she was pregnant was because she didn't want to disappoint them. You guys ever forgive me? I think we can forgive you, but you can't ever lie to us again. I would never have to this. Skylar, you're not going home with us. Honey, don't you're start that. Skylar, I'm telling you, it makes me sick. The cute little bag of popcorn you had, you'll never finish. Honey, stop, stop. please stop. <laughs> To her parents' surprise, Skylar was allowed to leave that day with them. However, just a week later, Lieutenant Fain and the lead detective assigned to the case, Brandy Carter, requested Skylar return for a second interview. Scott Richardson again asked if his daughter needed a lawyer and was told it was just routine questioning. But that wasn't true. In fact, there was an agenda during the interview. Annabelle's remains had been briefly examined by an expert forensic anthropologist hired by the coroner's office. The anthropologist, Dr. Murray, stated definitively that Annabelle's remains had been buried during a thermal event. When Skylar arrived for her second interview, it appeared there was a strategy in place to make Skylar feel more comfortable by the lead female detective. Throughout most of the interrogation, Detective Carter was holding Skylar's hands, giving her reassurance through the physical connection Skylar had been seeking. They began by telling her they knew her father had called the coroner's office seeking the release of Annabelle's body for a proper burial. But in order for them to make Annabelle's remains available for burial, Skylar had to tell them the truth, or according to her defense attorney, their truth. Over a period of nine hours, Skylar insisted 17 times she had never heard her baby and that Annabelle wasn't moving or breathing at the time of her birth. That was her truth. Lieutenant Fane told Skylar that the physical evidence wasn't matching up. Skylar, who was without a lawyer, didn't realize detectives could lie about the evidence. In truth, they were only able to recover skeletal remains making a cause of death indeterminate. Eventually, Skylar said she loved her baby so much and she tried to give her a proper cremation. Weeks later, detectives would find that Dr. Murray had made a mistake. The bones were wet when first examined and looked burned. Once they were dry, Dr. Murray admitted she was wrong. But that wouldn't matter because Skylar 
had already confessed. Detectives surmised someone would only burn a body if the person had died from homicidal violence. Lieutenant Fane introduced the word gurgle during the interview. He asked Skylar repeatedly if the baby let out a little noise or gurgle. They kept asking her to think of Annabelle and to allow her to be buried by admitting she'd been born alive. After hearing the word gurgle 30 times, Skylar finally said she may have heard a noise and it may have been a gurgle. She also suggested that maybe her arm had moved a little too. When asked which arm, she said she didn't know because she tried not to look at the baby. Eventually, without any prompting, Skylar told detectives she thought she may have squeezed the baby a little too tight and must have killed her. Then she said she knew she killed her. Detectives followed up by telling Skylar they were proud of her for telling the truth. They praised her for loving her baby and burying her instead of throwing her away like trash. Skylar was then placed under arrest for reckless homicide and improper handling of human remains. And the case instantly garnered national media attention. Under increased scrutiny, District Attorney David Fornshell called a press conference stating Skyler had been rearrested a second time for elevated charges after a grand jury indictment. The charges were for aggravated murder, a special felony, involuntary manslaughter, child endangerment, tampering with evidence, and gross abuse of a corpse. He told the press that Skylar and her mother were both obsessed with perfection and outward appearances. He alleged Skylar had murdered and burned her baby, possibly while the baby was still alive, and then dismembered what was left before placing the baby's remains in a shallow grave. This press conference was shocking to the community and sparked national outrage. Skylar's trial began on September 4th, 2019. In his opening statement, Assistant District Attorney Stephen Knippen told the jury, Skylar never told anyone about being pregnant because she always intended on murdering her baby. He continued by saying, Skylar was a popular student with a perfect life and had been threatened when she discovered she was pregnant. He pointed out how an ultrasound had shown an active, healthy baby with a strong, healthy heartbeat. The assistant DA then said he believes Skylar never planned for her baby to live, mentioning how only a few hours after burying her daughter, she went to the gym to work out, continuing to conceal any evidence she'd been pregnant. However, the defense had a different take on the facts. During defense attorney Charles Ritger's opening statement, he told the court Skylar had been forced into a false confession. He also acknowledged Skylar's mother had handled her eating disorder poorly and that the relationship was strained. Interrogation tapes were then brought forward, demonstrating how the read technique had been used when Skylar was questioned by detectives, a technique where behavioral responses are measured in a structured fashion. 
and any perceived falsehoods are met with harsh accusatory interrogation. Attorney Ritgers believed the detectives pushed so hard for the false confession they got from Skyler because they were working off faulty information. Skyler had also been raised to trust police authority, having been diagnosed with a dependent personality that made her incapable of withstanding the pressure of interrogators. 29 times, she accurately and medically described a stillborn baby before she began using words that had been carefully fed to her by detectives. Skyler's defense promised the jury they'd hear from expert witnesses on both sides that Skyler gave birth to a stillborn baby, possibly due to a condition called intrauterine growth restriction, and that a rush to judgment by detectives was the sole reason they were in court at all. The defense believed the district attorney's office had closed their minds entirely on the case, even to their own experts who might sway the perception away from the one they created, that of an apparent heartless, selfish teen mother who had confessed to killing her baby. Defense counsel argued strongly that this was indeed false. The prosecution called Dr. Andrews as one of their witnesses who confirmed Skyler's measurements were off by more than five to seven weeks which could mean her baby was possibly suffering from intrauterine growth restriction. He said the discrepancy in measurements was definitely cause for concern. Dr. Susan Brown, a forensic pathologist, testified on insistence of Annabelle's burning for an otherwise indeterminate homicidal act concealed by Schuyler's attempts to hide the body. However, on cross-examination, the defense read an email sent by the original anthropologist assigned to the case to Dr. Susan Brown. Susan, the prosecutor's office seems upset with me that I wasn't more definitive about the burning, but you and I saw what we saw. Those bones look so different from my July visit to my August visit, and we discussed that. I wasn't told about the importance of the burning to their case. Apparently, my report has definitely upset their apple cart, but it is what it is. I could not say at the second visit, with a reasonable degree of certainty, that those bones had in fact been burned. Could you have said that? I'm not going to lie to them. I'm not going to lie for them. I didn't realize it was a crucial part of their game plan. The defense argued that the entire trial was a doubling-down farce by prosecution, refusing to admit they'd made a mistake. Add in conflicting expert opinions and a dangerous concoction of interrogation and misinformation was thrown together. This all led to Skyler being forced to confess to actions she hadn't committed, as proven by admission from the prosecution's own witnesses. The defense stated, that if that confession could be so easily proven as incorrect, then the rest of the accusations were equally untrustworthy. During the defense's case-in-chief, they presented expert witnesses on false confessions, as well as a psychologist who diagnosed Schuyler with a dependent personality disorder. He explained that this type of personality disorder would make her highly susceptible to the Reed technique as she tried very hard to please her interrogators. 
In fact, he pointed out several times how she had asked detectives if they still liked her or if they thought she was a bad person. He also explained how some of the dysfunctional aspects of Skylar's relationship with her mom also confirmed the disorder. In the end, after all the expert and character witnesses had testified, the jury acquitted Skylar on all charges except for one, gross abuse of a corpse. Her attorney asked the court for leniency so Skylar could enter a treatment program for her eating disorder. During sentencing, Judge Oda told Skylar he believed in his heart of hearts. If she'd made different choices, her baby would probably still be alive today. Before Skylar was sentenced, an impact statement was read by Annabelle's grandmother, the mother of Annabelle's father, Trey Johnson, Skylar's former boyfriend. Not only did I lose my grandchild, but my baby boy lost his daughter. I've watched my son become a different person, she said. I won't disclose his medical diagnosis because she's done enough to him. I've personally been seen for depression, panic attacks, and I'm a shell of the person I was. I would have taken her in with Trey without a question. Now, instead, every May 7th, I don't get to have a birthday party for my first grandchild. Instead, I send her balloons to heaven to tell her how much her daddy loved her and how much I loved her. Skylar apologized to the court, her family, and the Johnson family before telling the judge she had learned a lot throughout the whole ordeal and that she could be very selfish at times but that she'd be sorry forever and ever. Judge Oda then sentenced Skylar to seven days in jail with time served. She was also placed on probation for three years. In an interview with 48 Hours, Skylar's parents opened up about what the whole experience had meant for them. Kim described the last two years as the worst nightmare, purgatory every day, and that their lives had been completely turned upside down. She also said they'd been followed, stalked, harassed, and that Facebook turned into hate book. Life will never fully return to normal for the Richardsons, doing their best to resume everyday life in a town which may never forget. They slowly move forward into an uncertain future. Because Skylar was placed on a three-year probation, she's been forced to remain within Carlisle's boundaries. The attorneys who fought for her provided Skylar with a basic clerical position where she spends a few days every week taking out garbage, sorting papers, and performing various other office tasks. Skylar claims the work gives her purpose helping her to fill her days with constructive activity. In October of 2019, Skylar's family held a private memorial service for baby Annabelle. In an interview with Cosmopolitan, Skylar stated, it was such a relief to know her daughter was now in her final resting place, which she visits each week, and places pink flowers 
on her grave. As Skylar quietly fights to reclaim her life and her future, repairing her bonds with her family and considering options for herself, she vows she'll never forget baby Annabelle and hopes to simply live her life the best she can in her memory. I'd like to thank the following new Patreon supporters. Brian, Amanda R., Bethany M., Lindsay A., Joe, Samantha B., Crystal, Melissa E., Luke, Celine D., Jessica, Michelle P., Leanne D., Lindsay W., Teresa T., and W.T. The Minds of Madness can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and all other podcast platforms. Ad-free episodes of this show are available on Stitcher Premium. If you would like to support this show and get some extra perks, including extra content, early release, and ad-free episodes, go to patreon.com slash madnesspod. You can find our website by going to mindsofmadnesspodcast.com. To find us on Facebook and Instagram, search The Minds of Madness, and on Twitter, using the handle at MadnessPod. And finally, the closing track, Feel the Madness, is provided by The Funkors. You can find them at the record label's website by going to goldenerrorecords.com.au slash G E madness. I can feel the madness. Someone's standing at my door. I hope they can't get in, cause I'm not prepared to run. I can feel the madness. Someone's standing at my door. I hope they can't get in, cause I'm not prepared to run.